original Greek. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. The word tossed means to surge or to fluctuate. God don't want you fluctuating. He don't want you to be an immature child fluctuating. He wants you to know what you believe. That you be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Go with me now to Hebrews 5. I'm just going to lay some foundation with you tonight. Hallelujah. Said, lay some foundation. Lay some word down. You with me in Hebrews 5, verse 8? Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. Y'all see that? General Jesus had to learn obedience. He had to learn to be obedient to the Father. That word obedience there means submission. He had to learn to be submitted to the will of the Father. See, people think Jesus just stepped down here, and when the Holy Ghost fell on him, the fullness of God come in him, and, and, and he didn't have to learn nothing. No, he had to learn submission. He had to learn obedience by the things which he what? Which he suffered. Which he suffered. The Spirit of God will teach you obedience if he got to put you through suffering. It teach you obedience. Amen. Boy, y'all quiet on me tonight. Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, or being matured, he had to mature. Did y'all hear what I said? Jesus had to mature. He had to mature. When the Holy Ghost come on him, it come on him without measure. He had the power without measure. But man, just cause you got power without measure, don't mean you know how to use it. Amen. Does not mean you know how to use it. There's gotta be a knowledge and a wisdom and an understanding. There's got to, you got to come to a maturity. I'm gonna tell you something. If y'all realize what's locked up in us, we just don't know how to use it. There's a lot locked up in God's people. We just do not have the wisdom. And I don't believe God will uh, turn it loose in us until He lets us experience some wisdom of how to walk in this and what to do with what He's revealing in us. There's got to be a revealing. There's got to be an understanding. Hallelujah. I hope you all with me tonight. Glory. Being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey Him. Called of God a high priest in the order, after the order of Melchizedek. And I told y'all, God spoke to me a few, a few months back and told me that there's coming a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. There's only two priesthoods. There's Aaron and Melchizedek. And now it's time for the order of Melchizedek to come forth. Hallelujah. I'm a, I, I am so desirous to see this move of God. Because up to now, people's just followed the, uh, more or less the letter of the law. I mean, preachers have preached by the knowledge of the Word. I don't want to preach by the knowledge of the Word. I want to preach by the power of God. 
You know, when Jesus come on the scene, they said, my God, what kind of new doctrine or what, what, what is this with authority? He commandeth the unclean spirits and they obey him with authority. There's some in them words. There's something. Hallelujah. It ain't just authority, children of God. There's power and authority. Power is one thing, but the authority to use the power is something else. The Bible said how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. It's not just power. It's learning to use what is coming to a maturity that you can use what God's put in you. All of us that's got the Holy Ghost one time or the other, man, we felt the power. You ever felt so much of God to get on you, you didn't know what to do with it? I have. I have. Sometimes it's scary. I'm going to tell you, there's a power hit me up, up at Brother Patterson's Wednesday night. Till... There's a couple of times I didn't know what to do with it. It's hit me here. There's, there's times I don't know what to do with it. And when I don't know what to do with it, I ain't going to do nothing with it. You know why? I believe God's trying to teach us something. I do. I believe God's trying to teach us something. Hallelujah. Glory. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful. You know what that word unskillful means right there? Unlearned. 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 That word unskillful right there means unlearned. Y'all with me? I said, are you with me? It means inexperienced, ignorant, unskillful. So inexperienced. Inexperienced. He said you're inexperienced with the word of righteousness. The word's a sword. It's a sword. And he said you're inexperienced in how to handle the sword. You're inexperienced in how to handle that sword of righteousness. I've told y'all you can take the word, the word's a sword. With a sword, you can kill somebody, you can maim them, you can wound them, or you can cut every tie that binds. You can cut every tie that binds. You can take a sword, if you learn how to use it, you can disarm your enemy. You won't have to do them no hurt. You can destroy every yoke that's on a person by, by becoming skillful. That the reason the, that we're unskillful and inexperienced is we don't ever use it. We have got to start using these this. These weapons, this armor that God has given us. We've got to start using it, children. Because as long as we don't use it, He said you become unskillful and you're babes. It's time to quit being babes in Christ and grow up men and women. It's time to quit being babes. Hallelujah. It's time to quit being babes. He said everyone that uses milk is unskillful or inexperienced in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. You're a child. You're immature. You're immature. Y'all must not be liking this. I can't help this is what the Word says. <laughs> this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. The reason I read what I read over in Ezekiel, he said, you ain't gone out there after the diseased. You ain't gone out there after the sick, the afflicted, the, those that are driven off, them that are bound, them that are wounded. You ain't gone out there and got them. You ain't gone out there and got them. You know why we hadn't gone out there and got them? 
we don't have confidence in what God has put in us. We don't have that maturity and that strength in what God has put in us. And I believe God's fixing to put us in the place that He's going to make us grow up. I do. I believe God fixed to put us in the place. He's going to make us grow up. And I want to see it. I want to see God's people come to maturity. I want to see God's people come to maturity in the gifts and the anointing of God. That will... Uh, Paul said, don't be terrified by your adversaries. Man, there's situations we come up on right now. We're scared to death of the devil. Scared to death to face the devil. Scared to death to confront the devil. Woo! I hope y'all listening good. I was in service up there and the place just packed. And I noticed a man a couple of nights. He's walking bent over like this. And I ain't talking about no old man either. I'm talking about probably what, 40s? If even that. Mid, late 30s, early 40s. And, and you could see him, he, he, he walked like this. And, and he wouldn't stand and, and praise the Lord or anything. He stayed seated down. And when he did stand, you could see the pain in his face. You could see the pain all over his body. That, and I kept reaching for him that last night. Man, that miracle anointing sat down in there. I just walked back to him, Brother Michael, and I just said, Brother, stand up. I said, I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you. I said, God ain't showed me nothing. God ain't spoke to me. He's going to heal you. God ain't told me He's going to give you a miracle. I said, just dare to believe God faith. Just dare to believe God faith, knowing, hallelujah, that I've got faith in God, that God's going to give you a miracle. I said, in your back. I said, I don't know what's wrong with you. You don't have to know. I said, I just know my Jesus. And I said, I'm just going to pray the prayer of faith for you. I said, for God to give you a miracle. Hallelujah. You know why? I know what's in here. I got confidence in what's in here. I got confidence in the gifts and the anointing of God that God's placed in here. I got confidence in it. And I just I just felt good about praying for him. The Lord didn't speak to me and say, yeah, I'm going to give him a miracle. I'm going to heal him. The Lord didn't lead me to him. I just had compassion on him. Just had compassion on him because I've been there. I've been there with my back all busted up. I've been there where I had to wear a back brace and ride in a wheelchair and walk on a a, a walker and, and, and crutches and a cane. You listening to me? I've been there. I know what it's like to endure that kind of pain. And when I laid hands on him, the Spirit of God went through him. And it wasn't just a few minutes. He was standing up like this. Stand up like this. And I went on and preached and ministered. And he come up the aisle a little while. Wanted me to pray with him about something. And he walked down the aisle just like this. And he got up there. He said, since 1991, he said, I ain't been able to straighten up like this. And he said, I couldn't do this. And he leaned way over backwards like that. Hallelujah. And he come up there, fell on my shoulder, whispered something in my ear. And I just started praying with him. The Spirit of God fell on him and delivered him from some things he had up in his heart. Some things he needed God to help him with. But I'm going to tell you something. He left that church walking straight. Left that church without pain. Left that church glorified and believing God. Why? Because I believe that God had placed something in me. And there was a maturity in me. Because I had put this thing in action. I had put this thing in action. It's hot in here to me. Might, might just be me. But I had put this thing in action, and I had the experience. You listening to me? I had the experience. It's like I ministered here a little while back. You've got to 
know what you're dealing with. When you're ministering and when you go to pray for people, you got to know what you're dealing with. You got to let the Spirit of God, for the most part, lead you. Sometimes you just step out there like I did, but you got to know that God's with you. You got to know that God's with you. You ain't just going to step out there and pray and something happen if you ain't got confidence in what God's put in you. But the Lord told me a long time ago, He said, if you don't have confidence in what I put in you, He said, nobody else will. You got to believe what I have put in you. God told me, He said, when Moses was on the backside of that desert and he throwed that rod down there and become a snake, He said, nobody saw it but Moses. When He put His hand inside His bosom, pulled it out in His white leprosy like snow, nobody saw it but Moses. He put it back in, pulled it back out, it's made whole. God told him to take the sand and pour it out and it become, or the water and pour it out and it become blood. Nobody saw that but Moses. And then God said, now go stand before Pharaoh. Go stand before Pharaoh and said, the first thing he's going to ask you, he said, show me a miracle. He said, when you stand before him, he said, show me a miracle. He said, do these things. He said, that I've just showed you. Moses had to believe in his visitation. He had to believe in what God had revealed in him. And he had to know that God was with him. And God was going to do it again. He had to know. He had to know, children. Moses wasn't no uh, fly-by-night schoolboy. Man, you read about Moses in Egyptian history. And you read uh, about Moses in the book of Acts. It said Moses was a man of wisdom and mighty deeds. And history tells you that he grew up in Pharaoh's house. He was highly educated, and they said he even led Pharaoh's armies into great battles and won great victories as a leader of Pharaoh's armies. God knew who he put his spirit on. God knew who he put his word in. It ain't just God reaching down there and getting somebody. God puts abilities in you, and when you give yourself to God and begin to seek God, God magnifies those abilities. God magnifies them. God puts personalities in us. Different personalities in us. You gotta have confidence. You gotta have confidence. When I talk to somebody, I don't hold my hand. I look them in the eye. I look them in the eye. I talk to them straight. I don't hold my head down and mumble. You see somebody holds their head down and mumbles when you try and talk to them, they ain't got no confidence. They ain't got any self-confidence. They got insecurities. They got insecurities. They won't look you in the eye and talk to you. They will not look you in the eye and talk to you. Man, ain't no reason for God's people to be looking down and be insecure with what the Spirit of God has put in us. What the Spirit of God is revealing in us. What's been taught to you right here in this church. There's got to be a maturity beginning to come out of God's people. And it's just like I was up there preaching. I might have said it here. But I, I, I set it up there. I said, now, I, I said, me or Brother Patterson, I said, we're experienced in what we're doing. I said, but there have been some of y'all has been saved and called of God and uh, taught as much word as me and Brother Patterson. Some of y'all been in church for years. I said, but you've done nothing with it. You've done nothing with it. And I said, if God took me or me and Brother Patterson Put us over on the mission field for six months. Who's going to step in our place? Who's going to step in our place? Who's got that experience and that confidence and that word in them that they can step in 
to a place in God. Step into a ministry. Step into an anointing. And let God begin to use them. You know why it's not happening? People ain't striving for it. People ain't striving for it. You gotta strive for this. You gotta strive to reach a place in God. God can use you. You just can't step out there and say, here I am, God. And I'm just trusting you to do it all. No, sir. Bible says study to show yourself approved. He expects you to study that word. He expects you to praise. He expects you to fast. Crucify your flesh. He expects you to give yourself to instruction and learn what to do and learn how to let this anointing use you. Am I gaining any ground tonight? Man, I feel like I ain't getting no traction tonight. I said I feel like I ain't getting no traction tonight. But see, God's talking to some of us here in Hebrews 5. He said, for when the time has come, that you ought to be teachers. The time's come, we ought to be out, we ought to be teaching. We ought to be in a ministry, uh, uh, somebody that will edify and educate, instruct. What did he say? He said, I call five ministries. Call five ministries for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the body of Christ to be edified. God's tried to edify us here. God's tried to teach us. I've tried to teach y'all how to fight and go through warfare. My wife was telling me this morning, she, uh, my, my niece has had an attack hit her body. Just the devil. She walked in here last night. I knew that situation. I felt a miracle run all over me, but I didn't feel led to minister to her. I felt that miracle just run all over me. God's going to deliver her. But He's putting her faith and putting the Word that's in her to a test to bring her forth. If every time we start going through something, God just steps down, delivers us, and snatches us out of the fire, God won't never make anything out of you. God won't never make anything out of you. And my wife started talking to her, and she was relating the conversation to me. And I don't remember the word for word, she said, but if you will listen to instruction. She said, let me instruct you how to walk through this. She said, if I had had an instructor, said her mama piped up and said, you did. But you didn't listen. But that was when she was dealing with things. She wasn't telling me what was going on. She said, but when I started talking to you, and she said, you started telling me how to fight spirits and what I was dealing with and how to go through things, she said, I listened and I overcome. I said, yes, she did. Yes, she did. She listened. She's a good student. She listens in the spirit things I tell her. Why? I know. I've been there. I've got that experience. I've got that maturity. I've got that understanding. Amen? I've got that understanding of these gifts and anointing God's put in my life. I am going on 30, <coughs> nine years, 39 years of preaching the gospel. Over 10 of them right here to y'all. Over 10 of them. Another 28 out there on the evangelistic field, and 22 of them done nothing but preach. Didn't work a job, stayed on the field 22 years. 22 solid years going from city to city, town to town, country to country, nation to nation, 
dealing with every kind of force, every kind of spirit, every kind of demonic power, preaching to one on the street, to preaching to 40 and 50,000 in crusades. Dealing with every situation for God to put all this in me and set me right here. To do what? Edify you. Edify you. And teach you how to come forth. You know know what it's like when you're in school and you get your report card? There's some people fixing to get some failing grades. Fixing to get some failing grades. You don't play well with others. (laughs) Whew, I got quiet, didn't I? Y'all ain't never got your progress report on your progress report. You had a big check and said, don't play well with others. Still going to say talks too much. Yeah, that was New Year's a year ago, I think. That's right. God healed him. Amen. That's all right. He just come up here and said, I want God to heal me. I said, all right. I just laid hands on him. See, it's different if God speaks to me and tells me he's going to do a miracle. You're like, I I, I was down in a tent meeting in 92 down there in Twin Cities, Sister Daniels. And I prayed for some people. Prayed for a woman had a big gorder in the throat and God healed her. Prayed for a man with a short leg and God healed him and had come with his servant man. <laughs> he got to go out and just gathering up sick folks. Every night he'd bring a carload of sick folks and God healed them. I was out there praying behind the tent one night and I see him drive up and I said, well, well, I wonder who he's got tonight. And just walking and praying and I seen the front door of the car open on the passenger side. Out come a set of crutches. I seen a man pull himself up on a set of crutches, Brother John. I walked over to him. I said, what happened to you? He said, 13 years ago, he said, I got shot in the spine with a shotgun. He said, it's hanging on by a thread. He said, if that ever snaps, he said, I'll be paralyzed from the waist down. He said, I live in constant pain. Man, when he said that, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you reach for what you believe is unreachable. And he said, you believe for what you believe is is unbelievable. And he said, I'll do the impossible. He said, yeah. and every time, while I was preaching, every time I'd look at that man, he said, reach for the unreachable, believe for the unbelievable, and I'll do the impossible. Man, faith was so high that night, and, and, and that man come up there. He, I finally got, he sat right on the back row because he didn't want to come up there and stand. Got down to about the last person in the prayer line. He come up there, and I said, now, I, I said, I'm going to pray for God to take your pain away because I didn't want to scare him. Because I prayed for people, and God's given miracles, and it scared them, and they lost their miracles. I prayed for a lady one night, blind in one eye. 
Her brother stuck a knife in it. She was three years old. She was 30 years old the night I prayed for. And God opened that eye and she started seeing. I told her, I said, I'm going to pray for you. God's going to heal you. I said, don't get scared. You remember that mama's over in Scottsboro on the tent in 1980. I prayed for that woman. I said, God's going to heal you. And I said, he does. You're going to get scared. And I said, if you don't watch it, you'll lose your miracle. I prayed for her. She started seeing. So I covered her good eye. She saw everything perfectly there for about five or ten seconds. She realized what was happening. She screamed and said, oh, my God. And she got scared and lost it just like that. And then she was in fear and I couldn't, couldn't get her to get it back. Could not get her to get it back. So I didn't want the man to get scared. Didn't want him to have fear come on him. So I said, I'm just going to pray for your pain. And when I laid my hands on him and cursed that pain, it like God turned on about 440 volts above my head. Man, that thing come down and shot through me. Next thing I know, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, do a creative miracle. When I took my hands all the way, me just standing there on them crutches going, I let him quit shaking. I said, how you feel? He said, man, I feel good. I said, really? He said, yeah, I feel good. I said, move a little bit. He started moving around there. And he, I said, you got any pain? He said, no, man, first time since I've been hurt, I ain't got no pain. I said, well, walk out there about 10 or 15 feet. He walked out there on his crutches and come back. I said, how'd that feel? He said, man, that feels good. I said, give me one of your crutches. So he gave me one of his crutches. And I said, now walk out there on one crutch. He walked out there, took him a little bit, and he walked out there and turned around and come back. I said, how'd that feel? He said, that feels good. I said, got any pain? He said, no, man, I ain't hurting nowhere. I said, give me your other crutch. He looked at me and his eyes got big. <laughs> I said, I'll steady you. I said, give me your other crutch. So he handed somebody his other crutch and he put his arm right there and I said, come on now, let's take a step. He took a step. I said, how'd that feel? He said, good. I said, take another step. I said, how'd that feel? He said, good. I said, come on, walk with me. We started out real slow like that. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God hit me, and I took off walking with him kind of fast, and he took off walking with me right beside me, holding on to my arm, and I just dropped his arm, and he took off. Took off. God put that spine back together. But see, God spoke to me about that. God spoke to me about that. But if God hadn't spoke to me, I need the maturity I need the maturity. We need a maturity, children of God, to quit letting the devil back us down and make us being afraid to reach for these people that are bound and lost. Quit making us be afraid. Some of y'all remember Brother and Sister Penner. They come down to the meeting. And I don't care where you go with that woman. I don't care where you go. She never meets a stranger. She walks up to somebody and starts talking to him. It ain't going to be about 30 seconds to a minute. She's going to be talking about Jesus. She's going to be talking about Jesus. And she will edify the Lord. And the next thing she'll know, she said, you want me to lay hands on you and pray the prayer of faith for you? Why? Something in her. She's been that way since God saved her in the 70s and 80s. And she said, Brother Matter, she said, I'm getting it back. She said, I laid it down for a long time, but I am getting it back. What is going to reach these people, children of God? What's going to reach them if we don't get some confidence and some maturity about us and grow up in God, believing and knowing what God's put in us? Well, Brother Matter, I just don't want to 
fail. Who said you got to fail? You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some mistakes because you ain't never done it before. You're going to learn the leadership of the Spirit. You're going to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. That ain't to lead you down the street. You're going to learn to be led by the Spirit of God that you can minister to people and be effectual in what God's put in your life because they're out there and they're looking for something. They're looking for something. They're looking for something, children. And Paul is saying here, for when the time has come, that you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. Why? We ain't doing nothing. We ain't doing nothing with what God's given us. We ain't doing nothing with what And if we don't do something, it leaves us inexperienced. It leaves us unskillful. It leaves us unskillful. And I'll tell you, I'm the world's worst. I'm the world's worst. Because I'm not one just to talk to somebody. I just about have to be moved on by the Spirit of God. There's just a feeling I get when I know God's going to work a miracle. And if I get that feeling, then I'll step out there. But as far as just witnessing to people, I don't witness to everybody. Maybe a difference in the ministry and the anointing or whatever God's put on my life. I just never been one to witness to everybody. But there's nothing wrong if you feel that drawing of the Spirit of God. And I'm not going to ask how many of us have ever felt that drawing of the Spirit of God and didn't do nothing, because we all have. We all have. We all have. We've all been ashamed of ourselves. We've all let the devil cheat us. Have we not? And it's time to quit letting the devil cheat us. Because if God moves on you to witness to somebody, he's prepared that soul. He's prepared that heart. God don't want you witnessing to somebody. And any of us that's lived for God very long, start talking to somebody about the Lord, and if their heart's prepared, they'll break and start crying. You ever just start witnessing somebody and they break and start crying? It don't matter where you're at. If you're in a grocery store or a restaurant, you're on the street, at the gas station. Have we all done that? And we'll talk to them about the Lord. And instead of right there, letting that unction of the anointing move on you, either laying hands on them or taking them by the hand and praying the prayer of faith for them, the next words out of our mouth is, well, won't you come to church? And generally when you say that, the wall goes back up and you've lost them. You've lost them. But if we had that maturity and that strength of the Holy Ghost about us that we would right there have confidence in what God put in us. Had confidence in these gifts and anointing. Y'all think this is the only place God will anoint y'all? Oh, Brother Matter, it's easy for me to sing and praise God and get up and talk about Jesus when I'm in church. This is the temple of God, not this. This is a building where the body gathers together. This is the temple of God. God don't live here. He lives here. 
You know it don't live here. You can feel it sometimes when you walk in the door. But the anointing lives here. Lives here. This is this is God's house. This is God's house. So what does hinder us? What does hinder us? We want to move with God. We're going to press God for it. I started pressing God because I know there's a visitation upon God's people right now. I know by the by the signs God's born. I know by the signs God's born. I just listened to that prophecy from uh, Maryland when I was back up there in October. And I asked the Lord. I said, God, send, send rains. I said, let there be floods to the ankles, floods to the knees, floods to the waist, floods to the chest, and then waters to swim in as a sign of an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke to me back in January, and I told y'all, he said, the middle of March to the end of March, he said, I'm going to send floods up that eastern seaboard. And, man, there was floods up there to their ankles. There was floods to their knees. Some places it was floods to their waist. Some places to their chest. Some places they had waters to swim in. And God said it's a sign of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It ain't quit raining yet. It ain't quit raining yet. Did y'all know they had 11 inches of rain in Rio de Janeiro in 24 hours and got mudslides that made 100,000 people homeless and killed over 200 people? Rained 11 inches in less than 24 hours. That's some rain. We need some Holy Ghost rain. <coughs> God said that. That was a sign of the rains of the Holy Ghost. When we see rains coming like this, he said it's a sign of the rains of the Holy Ghost. I'm expecting something. I ain't just expecting something in Twin City and then come back and wait for our youth rally. God said he's going to visit here. I'm expecting something when I get in prayer daily for God to visit and God to move because we don't need to go to Twin City and have something happen and then come back, well, I'm waiting for youth rally in June. My God, man, there's May, there's 60 days in there, almost. Almost. And I'm just, I mean, I'm going to wait for the next youth rally. Well, you're going to have a hard road to hoe because the devil's going to be all over you if you're waiting for just another visitation. Man, God can be real to us every day. And you get yourself ready in a daily situation, on a daily basis, and you get in these meetings where God really moves, you will really possess something. Not just feel a, a goose bump or two go across you. Don't bear with me. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Belongs to who? Full age. Them that are mature. Them that are grown up. Them that have grown up. Amen. Them that are grown up. And I'm going to tell you something. God every day. Don't y'all listen to me. God every day is challenging our maturity. You hear me? Every day God's challenging your maturity. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. He'll put you in circumstance and situations. I remember Sister Angela coming here and preaching one time, and I laughed. She, she gets aggravated at me sometimes because... She'd call me and want me to pray about something. I'd just laugh at her. You know why? I'd, I'd, I'd done been that road, and I knew what God was working in her. But I remember she come in here one time and preached, and she said, she said, I had a certain person just vexed the daylights out of me. She said, just vexed me. 
it just upset me. And she said, I got to praying about it. And said, the Lord told me it wasn't them that needed to change. It was me. <laughs> See, God told me I needed to grow up and reach that place that no matter what they done, it didn't bother me. You hear me? Somebody vexing you, somebody upsetting you, get in prayer and pray for them. Pray for them. To God give you peace and gives you victory over that. There ain't nothing in you the devil can vex you and upset you by that person. I mean, it could be somebody just just totally just irritates the daylights out of you and you get in a place in prayer and God can put something in you. You can walk up and hug their neck and you can look them in the eye and say, I love you and mean it from the bottom of your heart. You can tell them, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I want to see God do something in you, and it will be the truth from the bottom of your heart. Why? God has worked a work in you. God has worked a work in you. That's when you know you're coming to maturity. Because I'm going to tell you something. These gifts are not going to work in a vessel that's immature. They're not going to work. God's not going to reveal the wisdom. He's not going to reveal the understanding. He's not going to put the compassion there because you'll misuse it. You'll misuse it. You know, Jesus was on his way to a certain town. Uh, he had his eyes set to go to a certain town. He went through a town. And it's like he didn't even see or notice the people. And the people got upset with him. And I think it was Peter looked at him and said, Lord, don't you just call fire down on him like Elijah did and just burn him up? <laughs> Y'all remember that in the Bible? And Jesus said, he said, you don't know what spirit you have. You don't know what spirit you have. Sometimes we look at people don't suit our criteria, suit our little judgment stick, for a better word. They don't measure up what we think they ought to be. We really forgot to do something to them. We really forgot to do something to them. Better go dig you a deep hole and bury that thing. Better go dig a deep hole and bury that little old judgment stick. Because the Lord said, love your enemies. He said, pray for them to despitefully use you. Amen. Pray for them. Love your enemies. Get in prayer and pray so God gives you peace over the circumstance and the situation. That way the devil has nothing in you. The devil has nothing in you. Right, am I making sense to anybody? The devil has nothing in you. There ain't one thing in you that person can vex or upset. There ain't no buttons to push. God done moved all your buttons. <laughs> Why? Because you done sincerely prayed and asked God to do a work in you. Not in them. You pray for God to do a work in them. But I'm going to tell you, if you're the one getting upset, God needs to do a work in you. God needs to do a work in you. God needs to mature you and grow you up. It's a truth. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. See, we're not exercising what God's put in us. When you don't exercise what God's put in you, it's hard to truly discern 
whether or whether somebody's got a, a evil spirit or a good spirit or discern what's wrong, what's right with somebody. This thing has got to be used. Your spiritual senses have to be exercised, children. And they don't just need to be exercised in the house of God. Well, Brother Michael, give me the cold shoulder. Brother Bobby high-headed me. Brother Jason didn't treat me right. That ain't discerning the spirits. That's evil imaginations. That's evil imaginations. The devil's trying to set up in your heart. That's strongholds. I said, that's strongholds. You want God to do something in you? Get in prayer. Say, God, change me. Bring me to that place that I can handle strong meat. Bring me to that place that I'm grown up and you can take me and really do something with my life. That you can really use me and make me a vessel. Amen? Make me a vessel. Instead of coming in the house of God and always needing you to do something for me, I can come in the house of God and get fueled up and go out and tear the devil's hide up. Don't let me come dragging in the house of God every week saying, Preacher, i got to have something from God. I'm about beat to death. Come in the house of God saying, I come to learn. I come to get edified. I come to get strengthened. i got a vengeance on the devil. <laughs> i got a vengeance on the devil. I'm ready to hurt the devil. I want God to put something in me instead of coming in down and out and pulling, pulling out of the body of Christ. Come in strengthened. And tap into the body of Christ and go out stronger. Amen. Go out stronger. Go out stronger. Not always. I mean, there's times all of us get weak. But my God, it's like God's people come to the house of God almost every week. Oh, God, I've got to have something. They'll about beat daylights out of me this week, man. I've been through it. We all go through them things. But week after week, month after month, Something wrong with your relationship with God. Something wrong with your relationship with God. There's an immaturity there somewhere. I'm not talking to young converts tonight as a whole. This is more for the seasoned. Amen. This is more for the seasoned. And I preach along these lines at Brother Patterson's. Man, it's time for folks to grow up and get a hold of something. Not just... Come to church to have good church, children. Good church is not going to put deliverance in you. Good church is not going to get you in the place to deliver this generation that the devil's bound. There's got to be edifying and instruction. There's got to be a strength, but you got to come seeking it. you got to come desirous of God revealing something in you. Let me see if I can go on with this. who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles. Y'all see that? That means leave the basics. That means leave the basics. That don't mean every time you turn around you're having to repent over something. Like a young Christian. Amen. Y'all follow me? Therefore, leaving the basics or the principles 
of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto what? Perfection, maturity, consummation, the finished product. Let us go on into what God is trying to work in us. Let us go on into what God's trying to work in us. The maturing, the completion, the finished work. Let us go on to it. How? Laying aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Laying aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Anything the devil can stir your spirit up about, if it's not a sin, it's a weight. You hear me? If it's not a sin, it's a weight. But Paul said there's weights and there's sins. And he said it, it doesn't seem to take much for some of God's people. He said they just get easily beset. They get easily put off track. They get flustered and aggravated and vexed over something don't amount to nothing. Am I getting any word tonight? As long as these things are in us and as long as the devil vexes you and upsets you, you're not going to mature. You're not going to mature to the place that you can really put on a wisdom and an anointing and a power in God that can set somebody's life free and change somebody's life. It's not good words. It's not good words. God will give you words of wisdom. God will give you words of compassion. He'll give you words of understanding. But it takes that anointing. It takes that anointing. And that anointing has to have a free flow. It's got to come in freely. It's got to flow out freely. If there's anything here in your spirit that ain't right in the eyes of God, if there's vexation and upsetness there, the devil's always stirring your spirit up about something, that anointing can come in, but it's going to be like a blockage. It's going to be like a blockage. It ain't going to flow out. Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living waters. It can flow in. But it's got to flow out. Amen. It's got to flow out to be able to help people. It's got to flow out. Two nights up there, I walked in a flow of the Spirit of God. I mean, just a magnificent flow of the Spirit of God. That last night reminded me just like I was back under the tent. Just such a flow of the Word and the anointing and the, 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 the fire of the Spirit began to burn. I mean, I began to call them young people out and minister to them. And the time I'd walk up to them, tears just be streaming down their face. I mean, tears just be streaming down their face. And they had their hands up reaching for something. They had their hands up. And you know who these kids were? Kids and grandkids of people I preached to in the 80s. They know Brother Matter. They know Brother Matter. And I get up there in revival, and word gets out, they fill that church up because they know my life. They know my reputation. They know the legacy. You listening to me? They know. They, they've been told over the years of the miracles and the deliverance God's wrought in that area. I got a reputation up there, two things, a man of prayer and a man of miracles. Justin grew up in my meeting from the time he was about 10 years old. But there's people up there, they were kids in the 80s. Now they're coming to my meetings and they got kids and grandkids. You listening to me? They got kids. 
One woman will come up to me. She said, you don't remember me. I said, I don't think so. She looked like she's probably about 30. One played the keyboard. Looked like she's about maybe in her 30s, maybe mid-30s. I said, no. She said, I was in your meetings. She said, and I was a little girl. And she had a teenager sister and said, that's my daughter. I said, that's my daughter. She said, I remember you. She said, I remember you from prayer meetings and tent meetings. I remember you. She said, it's good to be back in your meetings. Well, she just got back in. Something began to move in her spirit. She's hungry for God. She's hungry for God. She said, I heard you coming, and I got excited. She said, because I ain't been in your meetings in years. But God done something for me. See, it was her and her kids. Had one young lady come up to me. I prayed for the Spirit of God touched her life. I dedicated her baby to the Lord. She come up on the picture with me. She said, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no. She said, that sister back there? I said, yeah, I know her. She said, I'm her granddaughter. She said, I was in your meetings. A little bitty. little bitty thing. It was probably three or four years old. Just a little bitty. She's in my meetings. God just started drawing. You know why they'd draw? They knew what was there. They knew what was there, children. Let's don't let the devil cause us to pull back. He said, leave these basics. My God, there's only so much can be preached, and then we've got to step in here and start possessing this. Amen? We've got to step in. I'm not criticizing, church. I'm just telling you, it's time. It's time to step in and start possessing. What my son saw was like the young me up here preaching. He said, it, he said I was preaching harder and with more fire than he ever seen me preach with. But it turned into the older me with the maturity and the compassion and the wisdom and the understanding. And that's what God's saying. There's nothing wrong with the fire. That's good. But we need a maturity to go with it. We need a maturity. We need a maturity. We need a maturity. And I've touched along these lines. I remember when the Lord spoke to me about blind eyes. Lisa was in a, 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 it was a home prayer meeting. There was a young man there, had a skim over an eye, he was blind. And he just come up, God was doing miracles. He said, I want you to pray for this blind eye. Didn't tell me why he was blind. So I just laid hands on it, prayed for God to work a miracle. When I took my hands off of it, the skin was gone. The eye was just beautiful blue. And he started seeing for just a little bit. And it quit just like that. And then he come to me after service. And he said, I should have told you when I was nine years old. He said, I bloated out with a blasting cap. There's a difference between praying for a blind eye and it being a blind spirit. You can cast a blind spirit out. cast a blind spirit out if they just went blind but when they blowed out with a blasting cap or got put out in an injury it takes a creative miracle you got to exercise a different faith you got to reach in a different area of your faith same thing with an ear you pray for somebody just went deaf it's usually a deaf spirit pray for somebody got an eardrum blowed out difference difference see it takes a maturity it takes a maturity it takes a maturity I was in a tent meeting. I don't know if he was there or not, but I was down in South Georgia, down there at a Fitzgerald. I don't think he was with me that night. And I was having great miracles. 
There's a couple boys thought they was going to pull one on me. They walked under the tent and they got in the prayer line. And I mean, I was caught up in an anointing. And one of the boys with him said, this young man, deaf and dumb. I put my hands on him. I started to pray for him. Just I put my hands on him, started to pray for him. I looked at him. I said, boy, I said, you don't know what you're messing with. I said, you're a liar. I said, ain't nothing wrong with you. I said, God spoke to me and told me you ain't deaf and you ain't dumb. You're trying to pull a prank. And I said, I'm going to give you the count of three. Get out of this tent. I said, God will curse you. And his eyes got about that big around. He said, oh, my God. And he took off running. He took off running. But, I mean, I put my hands on him, was exercising that faith, just and I started to pray for him. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. He said, he's faking. He said, he's faking. You better tell him to go. He said, for I curse him. See, they didn't know what they was messing with. But the Spirit of God spoke to me. I had enough maturity. I had enough maturity. You listening to me? God is bringing us. I'm telling y'all, there's a step up in what God's doing. There's a step up in the anointed. There's a step up in what God's requiring out of us. Because we're not striving to enter into that place God can really use us. We're not striving. We're coming to church. We're not taking it serious. We're not taking our prayer serious. We're not taking our relationship with God serious. We're just showing up. Uh uh-uh. uh. You don't want God to leave you behind. You don't want God to leave you behind. I'm telling you, God's looking for the sincere. He's looking for the hungry. He's looking for the dedicated. He's looking for the dedicated. Amen. He's looking for the dedicated. Hallelujah. I appreciate the Lord tonight. I don't know if I'll go any further in this tonight or not. Because I feel like the Lord's talked to us. Let me go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let me do that. Thank God for His goodness. Hallelujah. I hope this word is teaching you tonight. See, y'all seen me... Oh. When I get ready to pray for somebody, I've done it. I think I've done it with Brother Michael. I think I've done it with Christopher. I've done it with Brother Ken Davis Jr. Pray for somebody with a short leg. I'd encourage them to exercise their faith. I did Brother Ken Davis Jr. and I was down there, went down there, uh, was it a year or so ago? I don't even remember when it was. We, we were out under their youth rally building. We wasn't in the church. We were out under their youth rally building. I mean, that anointing was high that night. And, and I, don't, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody had one leg shorter than the other. And I, I got ready to pray for him. And I just looked at Brother Ken David Jr. I said, you believe God will use you to do this? He just kind of looked at me. I said, well, try. He got in there and he closed his eyes. He started praying, he started praying, he started praying, he started praying. He just prayed and prayed and prayed, and he wouldn't open his eyes and look. I just walked up and put my hand on him, and I did that anointing, flowed through him, that leg went, he just kept on praying. Just kept on praying. I said, done. Look again. I said, it's done. I said, it's done. Was he trying to embarrass him? No. I was trying to get him used to reaching Believing that God had put something in him. Get him to step out there and exercise. I don't try to embarrass people. I don't try to shame people. 
I want y'all to realize that the same Christ that's in here is in you. There's just more experience in here. There's just more confidence. There's just more assurance. Why? I've had more experience. Amen. I've had more experience. But the Lord taught me something early. It was back in 80 or 81. I was in a tent meeting. And there's this great big guy. I mean big guy. Back then, I probably didn't weigh about what Christopher weighed, but I wasn't near as tall as he was either. I probably didn't weigh, what, 150, 160 pounds me and you met. 160, because I fasted so much. I mean, I fasted so much. And I was in a, a, a tent meeting in Scottsboro in 1981. And this guy was probably 6'7", 6'8", weighed about 275. He might even weigh 300 pounds. I nicknamed him Goliath. He had sat on the back row till I started praying for people. When I'd start praying for people, he'd come and he'd get, he wouldn't get close enough, I'd get my hands on him. But he full of the devil. And he'd get up there while I was praying for people, and I could feel his spirit, and he'd just vex the daylights out of me. And he'd done it just to aggravate me. And I told the Lord one night, I said, I am fixing to run grab a hold of him, jump, straddle him, cast them devils out of him. The Lord said, leave him alone. He said, he don't want deliverance. He said, if you cast the spirits out of him, he said, he's going to take the spirits back. And he said, the spirits are coming in seven times worse. He's going to bring in seven more. And the last day that man's going to be seven times worse. Than he said, just leave him alone. He said, just leave him alone. I just left the man alone. Left him alone. Why? He didn't want deliverance. There's people who do not want deliverance. They don't want deliverance. There's people who don't want healed. They don't want set free. They're happy with their devils. They're happy with their circumstance. They're happy with their pain. You hear me? There's people happy with their pain. They're happy with their situation. Why? It's their life. They get sympathy out of it. They get attention out of it. They don't want healed. I was having a great deliverance revival. Man, people was getting healed and getting delivered. This woman come through there on a cane. I seen her. She had one of them three, four-footed canes. She come up there, and she started up there, and I could see her, and I started exercising, reaching for her. And, man, God was working miracles. I mean, notable miracles. Got right there, and I put my hands on her. Man, it's like praying for a cement block. Could not feel faith. Could not feel anointed. Could not feel a miracle. And the Lord spoke to me and said, she lives in sympathy. He said, sympathy is where she lives. said, she wants attention. said, her condition, she don't want you. said, you pray for her, she's going to go out and say, see, nothing happened. She didn't want anything to happen. She was happy. Because her condition is what she lived for to talk about every day because that's where she got her attention. The Lord told me, he said, if I heal her, she ain't got no way to get sympathy. She ain't got no way to get attention. It's a sad place to be in, but people are there. People are there. Amen. I thank God is giving us good instruction tonight. I thank God's trying to help us. You ain't going to help everybody out there. 
You ain't going to help everybody out there. I don't know if you remember the tent meeting where I met you at. You might have not have been there that night. But I had one lady sit on the front row two or three nights. And I had a prayer line one night. She boisted up there and got in that prayer line, told me what she wanted God to do for me, and I laid that hand on her. Spirit of God hit her. She reached up and took my hand, pulled it off of her head, spun out of my grass, and said, thank you, but no thank you. And, buddy, she hit the trail. She didn't want nothing to do with that anointing. She didn't know what was there until I put my hands on her. and She didn't want nothing to do with it. She beat it to the car. I don't know if you was there that night or not. But she said, whoa. But I mean, time I put her, she said, whoa, no thank you. And she twisted out of my grip. And, buddy, she, she was gone. You know why? She didn't want it. You're not going to be able to help everybody. It's time to mature to the place that God can teach us and use us. Amen. That God can teach us and begin to instruct us. Because I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to be very long. Them t- that tent's going to go up. We're fixing to be out there in the highways and the hedges. It's different out there than it is in here. You can't get up in here and testify. You can't get up here and sing and exhort. You can't get up and you can't fellowship and talk in here and pray in here. You ain't going to do it out there. You ain't going to do it. You ain't going to do it. You ain't going to have the strength. Amen. First Corinthians 13, verse 8. Charity or love never faileth. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. That, the word really means cease in the original Greek. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You ain't going to do this by your natural knowledge. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect, and this word perfect right here, I looked up three different scriptures that this word perfect, And it means complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental, and moral character, completeness of full age. Y'all see that? A full age. A full age. What When we come to the knowledge of years of Christ. But when that which is perfect or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man or I came to full age or full years, I learned to exercise my senses. I grew up in God. I grew up in God. Things didn't rattle me. They didn't vex me. They didn't upset me. I grew up in God. I grew up where God could use me. I grew up where it didn't bother me who God was using and who God wasn't using because I knew God had a purpose for me. Amen. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. But now I know in part, but then shall I know 
even as also I am known. And I'm going I'm to tell you this. I've probably related this before. And my wife can relate to this. But I knew from the time I was seven years old I was called of God. I knew it. There was nothing in my spirit except wanting to preach the gospel. And I didn't just want to preach. I wanted a miracle deliverance ministry to help people. It was in my spirit from the time I was seven years old. When I was 19, I fully dedicated my life to the Lord. When I was 19, I fully dedicated my life to the Lord. And I, I, I'm trying to remember how many years that I went fasting and praying and studying and seeking God. I was sitting on a platform one day, and a man really gifted of God come to a pastor of a church. And I think I was on a 21-day fast at the time. Ministered to the pastor of the church, told him to go on a three-day fast and what God would do for him. Man, pastor in a church, six, seven hundred people. Told him what God would do for him, and the brother walked off, and I heard the pastor lean over and say to a pastor beside him, I ain't never fasted three days in my life. And here I was, young in the Lord, on fire for God, and in a 21-day fast, and it wasn't the first of it wasn't the first one. I like to fell off the chair. I said, God, how can this man be shepherding your people and never have fasted and prayed and sought the face of God? Because that's what God put me in when I got saved. God put me in a prayer life. He put me in a fast life. He put me in a hunger of seeking God. And I think I went, that was, I fully dedicated my life to the Lord in 72 and I believe it was five or six years. Go to meeting after meeting. Was in a minister's meeting one time. And every minister in the minister's meeting, including a 14-year-old boy, got prophesied to about the call of God on their life. And I got nothing. And the devil kept tormenting me. You ain't called. You just think you called. Because your daddy preached, you think you're supposed to preach. You ain't called. And almost persuaded me to give up. Almost persuaded me to quit seeking God. And I was in continual fasting, praying and studying, preaching on the street, preaching when little doors would open, and seeing these preachers out there and had sons that couldn't preach had no anointing, and going in churches and preaching to four and five and six and seven hundred people. Tell me they ain't politics in religion. They're politics. You better believe there is. But the devil used every dirty trick he could to persuade me that I wasn't called. But you know what God done to me? God taught me to pray. He taught me to study the Word. He taught me to fast. He taught me to stand on my own two feet. He taught me to stand on my own two feet that I didn't have to go to anybody but Him for anything. That when I prayed, God would answer me. I didn't have to call somebody up if I got in trouble. I had a God I could go to. And I went five or six years. Nobody ever ministered to me that I was called of God. 
Nobody ever prophesied to me or confirmed my calling. And the devil had a heyday with me for about six years. If it hadn't been for the determination in my spirit, knowing that God had called me, I would have given up and walked away. The devil will use any dirty trick he can use to get you to give up and back away from what God's called you to do. He'll use it on you. He'll persuade you that God ain't going to use you. He'll persuade you you ain't called. He'll persuade you you ain't got no ability. He'll tell you you won't ever do anything to get you to give up and quit. My God, we are at the door right now of the greatest visitation the world's ever had. I mean, what God is preparing for us is going to go beyond the day of Pentecost. Greatest move God's ever given to the earth. And there are people going to give up and quit just before this visitation hits. Don't let the devil do it to you. Do not let the devil do it to you. Why? Are we struggling so hard? The greatest deliverance ministry and the greatest move of God the earth has ever seen is at the door. That's why we're fighting so hard. That's why you're being fought so hard. That's the reason there's such a warfare bombarding your, bombarding your minds, trying to persuade you that everybody's against you, nobody loves you. However the devil's working it, the devil's a master at deception. You hear me? He's a master at deception. He's a master at deception. Don't let the devil separate you from the church God puts you in. Don't let the devil cause you to get vexed and upset with the people, your brothers, you're going to church with. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll divide you. When he divides you, he'll conquer you. Amen. The devil can divide you. Y'all heard me say it time after time. Get you all by yourself. The devil will take you out. He will take you out. You can't stand on your own. You can't stand on your own. You don't have strength yet. You don't have strength yet. Let's hold fast to the faith. Amen. You love the Lord. Would you stand on your feet and go to prayer with me? I appreciate this word tonight. I feel like there was a lot of good instruction and a lot of strength in this word tonight. And I want God to get this down in our spirits. Amen. Coming to maturity. Good title. Coming to maturity. How many of y'all believe that would be good? Coming to maturity. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil work you, church. Because this, this mind up here is where the devil works you. This is his battleground. The devil may fight you physically, but the real warfare is mentally. The real warfare is in the mind. Amen. It's in the mind. The only way to keep your mind stayed on the Lord Keep things of God before your eyes. Keep preaching on. Keep singing on. You feed yourself anything of the world, you have prayed out of your spirit. And why cause yourself extra work? <laughs> why cause yourself extra work? Because whatever you put in your spirit is coming out of your spirit. If it ain't pleasing to God, God's going to tighten down on you make you get it out. He's going to use you. He's going to make you get it out. Amen. If it's not pleasing to God, He ain't putting the Holy Ghost in there on top of your junk. You're going to get your junk out. Amen. You ain't God's junk store. You ain't God's flea market. 
No, you ain't. God wants you washed and clean so he can come in. He wants you washed and clean. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, look down on us. God, I feel like you've given us good instruction, Lord, to become vessels that you can use and you can take our lives, Lord, and put a burning and a shining light. Put a burning and a shining light inside of us, Father. God, get us ready, Lord, that you can use us, you can illuminate us. God, you can enlighten us. Lord, you can cause your very word and your spirit to take its abode inside of us. God, let your light shine in us. You said, where's the light of the world? A city set on a hill that can't be hid. Jesus, you said you were the light of the world, and you said, then now are ye the light of the world. Lord, let us shine. God, not a little light, but a big light. God, that people that sit in the darkness, in the very region and shadow, the valley and shadow of death, saw great light. For light is sprung up. Let light spring up in us, Jesus. And God, let your light so shine in us. God, let the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, let it shine in us. Let us be a light, God, to a a world that's in darkness, that's lost and undone without you. God, teach us, edify us, refine us, purge us. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good praise if you would. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and be seated. I appreciate the Lord. Y'all remember, there's not going to be any Sunday school in the morning. Uh, we're going to start in our worship service at 11. But just as soon as service is over, I'm headed to Jasper. Uh, I called the brother today. I said, now, I said, I'm on my way as soon as we get out of church. I said, if I ain't there at church time, y'all go ahead and start. I said, I'll be on my way. He said, okay, ain't no problem. And I hadn't preached down that way. I think I preached one little revival, three or four night revival down there after we started the church here uh, for his son, Brother Mark. Uh, but I don't think I've been in Brother Waldorf's church probably since, it's probably been 10 or 12 years since I've been in Brother Waldorf's church. I sure was glad to hear from him. The reason I'm going, God gave me a, a, a dream that destruction hit down there in that city. I'm just going to go tell him what God showed me. Preach the word of God to him. Pray for some folks to have some miracles. One of Brother Waldorf's daughters under the tent, 93 on the fairgrounds, had a, a tumor in one of her breasts big as an egg. And I prayed for her, and that thing left just like that. God God give her a miracle. She never forgot it. When God does things like that, you don't ever forget the healing touch of Jesus. I mean, it left instantly. I had her go behind a tent curtain and, and check herself. she come out shouting. She said, that thing was gone. She never forgot it. And, and I don't know how many miracles God worked in that meeting on the fairgrounds in Jasper first year I went down there, but it was a lot of them. A lot of miracles and a lot of deliverance. And so I'm looking forward to going down there. It ain't going to be easy for me to preach there and then drive two, two whatever hours and then turn around and preach again and have to drive back. But we'll get it done. Amen. Maybe the Lord give me some of that boost my son seen. Hallelujah. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to help us in the offering. And uh, 